Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. It's ep 17. No way. Yes way. No way. Yes freaking way. We are climbing, baby. Climbing the charts. It's a climb. <laughs> no, no, they don't want to hear us sing today. Well, yeah, you guys might. <laughs> you, you might still hear us sing. Because don't worry, Morgan's going to be a singer a professional. Yeah, if this doesn't work out, Morgan's going to be a professional. I'm singer. headed to Hollywood. She is. <laughs> Ryan Seacrest is going to give her the golden ticket. Yeah, but Ryan Seacrest was also the one that ran the Kardashians, right? Yeah. He's kind of broke right now. But don't worry. He's on But don't worry, I'll make you your money back if you ever hear this. I was going to say he's on Kelly and Ryan, but Oh. Yeah. Okay. And also like every radio station doesn't he like I don't know. Okay, well, I just thought like that dude's like crazy entrepreneur. Anyways, if this is your first time here, my name is Taylor, and I'm Morgan, and this is Creeps and Crimes, and uh, she talks about conspiracies and paranormal shit, and I talk about true crime shit. Yes, ma'am. And that's just how we do it. Anyways, um, we've got a fun, fun episode planned for you, but before we get started with our, you know, rambling. Let's go through the basics. If you have not subscribed to us already, make sure you're subscribed and download this episode and leave us a rating and a review, please. Pretty, pretty, please, with a cherry on top. You can also follow us on Instagram at Creeps and Crimes Podcast. My personal is at morgue.m, double the G. And mine is Taylor J with an A. And you can follow us on Twitter at creeps underscore crimes, right? Yep, that's yes. right. If you have a creepy account, again, if this is your first time, um, creepy accounts are any like sort of encounter or story that you ha- may have that can be paranormal, um, I don't know, aliens, Conspiracy, true crime, anything. whatever happened to anybody you may know, send those into us. And they can be anonymous. Yes, it can be anonymous. And you can send that in to us at creepsandcrimespodcast at gmail.com. Yep. And if you have any uh, story suggestions, please send those in to either our email or you can DM us on any of the social medias that we have. Yes, yes, yes. Should All right. We, should we tell them the big news? Yeah, I think we should tell them the big news. All right. You want to do it? Go. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you guys. So um, Taylor and I are famous... <laughs> Yeah, we're famous. We are famous. We're, like, so famous. Like, American Idol famous. Like, red carpet. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Just kidding. So, 
last week we had the pleasure of being not introduced interviewed (laughs) interviewed with the exchange podcast by logan lewis with watchdog media yes runs watchdog media Mm -hmm. and you guys can check that out that is going to be aired friday so tomorrow so tomorrow this on thursday um and you can find that on, I think, honestly, any platform. Yeah, majority of platforms. Um, since a majority of you guys listen through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, I'm pretty sure that he's on all three of those. Um, but if not, I know for sure that he's on Apple Podcasts. It was so much fun. Yeah, we so, had a great time. Thank you, Logan Lewis. We had um, lots of drinks. Lots of talk. Taylor had lots of drinks. <laughs> for once, for once, it wasn't Morgan stumbling away with her words. It was Taylor this time. I had had a hard day, everybody, and I became a mixologist in one setting. Uh, okay, it was a good time. It was a good time. It was a lot of fun. So check that out. You can follow him on Instagram. I think it's just at Watchdog Media, and then all of his podcasts are on that. highlighted or yeah, whatever. Yeah. You can go follow him through there, but. We had a great time. It was hilarious. He asked us a lot of questions, and then we got to sit with him for a little while after. This was all via Zoom, or it wasn't Zoom. It oh. was an uh, a duck. I don't know what it was, but it, we had technical difficulties. Yeah, we were having some issues. My computer was not registering with this platform. We started freaking out a little bit. Taylor started drinking a little more. And I pulled out my old good old dinosaur laptop and she worked, worked like perfectly. a beaut. So it was, uh, we had a great time and he's so awesome. We yeah, really do cool, love though. Logan. So, and Logan, if y'all don't know this already, Logan has been listening to us since like episode one. Yeah. He's been do you, I don't know it. if you guys remember, but like in the first few episodes, we're like, Logan, Logan. We like, yeah. we do mention him because he was like our literal number one fan. Yeah. And he was actually our first creepy account that we ever got. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So uh, send those in, by the way, just while we're here. <laughs> and you can hear another one of his creepy accounts on. The, oh, yeah. During the interview. Yep. He does give a creepy account. And it's good. It's really, really good. I forgot all about that. Hmm, yeah. I wonder why. Imagine that. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> Anyways, um, we're going to get started with the episode, and before we do, um, we're going to change it up a little bit today, so Morgan, you want to start off with our intro? Sure. If you're driving, throw that shit on cruise control. If you got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get crimey. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you little conspiracy paranormal guru. Taylor, what do you have for us today? Surprise, shawty! Surprise, shawty! So, <laughs> we're switching it up. Morgan was uh, kind enough to switch roles with me today. Um, I've had a really shitty, shitty week. Um, and I just really don't think I could have handled the, on my heart, doing a murder today. So, so. instead, we're going to get darker yeah. And creepier. So I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get really dark today, is what I'm saying. Um, so today I'm gonna be covering one of my literal all-time favorite paranormal stories. And it is the black eyed kids. So this is not as in-depth as I would have liked it to be, uh, as a result of this week. Um But bear with me, and hopefully one day Morgan will do her magic with 
paranormal stories and throw this one together for you guys. But I'm going to give you the basics right now. So grab a glass of wine, grab your favorite blankie, and... And your favorite sage. Yeah, and definitely grab your sage, please. And maybe a Bible (laughs) if that's what you believe in. Um, So let's get started. something holy. Yeah, something. So let's get started. Today I'm covering black-eyed kids. Boom, boom, boom. Or B-E-K, as you will hear me refer to them throughout the um, entire story. Oh, yeah, the black-eyed peas. Yeah, black eyed peas. That's what it is. Uh-huh. Um, so first off, we have Fergie and <laughs> okay. So my sources are Wiki, um, Reddit, of course, and that's why we drink podcasts, Astonishing Legends podcast, Morbid podcast, Texas Hill Country dot com, TBS News, Snopes dot com. But when I say I, all of these, I mainly mean Wiki and Reddit. Um, so, <laughs> uh, what are black eyed kids? They are paranormal creatures that look like children between the ages of 5 and 15 with pale skin and black eyes. They are mostly seen hitchhiking on doorsteps of residential homes, typically asking for help or wanting you to invite them into your home. Um, And I say this with a trigger trigger warning. they are demonic beings after my research of them. People aren't positive what they are, whether they are um, cryptids or um, dark spirits. or may- Some people say that they are children that died from malaria. And Yeah, so there's a lot of um, con- conspiracies around what they are, but... From my research that I've done, I have found them to be darker. So we're just going to leave it at that. Um, Another thing that they can come to you in that is just as dangerous is your dreams. Oh, gosh. Why? Mm -hmm. Why? So um, I say this right now as just as we keep going, um, which I've already had this talk with my husband, and so you should probably call Aaron, is... um, when you talk about them uh, and you open that your mind up to that so they can approach you easier. And so I've already had the conversation with Logan about what I'm going to be covering today and that if anybody... Hell no, stop the podcast. <laughs> it's okay. We'll light it in a second. Um, oh. It's okay. But if anybody comes knock on your door tonight, don't answer it. And you tell them to go away. And uh, with a, whatever higher power or, you know, your higher being, that's how we're going to go about this. So, since the 1980s, we have been hearing stories about black-eyed kids. However, most say that the legend originated in 1996 when a Texas reporter, Brian Bethel, wrote, a, wrote about two alleged encounters with black-eyed children. Bethel got basically shoved to the side and thought to be crazy or just that he was making up a creepypasta. However, his story gained a lot of traction and followers after hearing about a second story that was very similar to Bethel's from a woman in Portland, Oregon. Now, I could not find these stories anywhere. So I saw where people were like, 
giving like wrap ups of basically what happened. But from my understanding is they kind of got wiped off the face of the internet, mm-hmm. which I find very interesting. Yep. So if you have an encounter with a BEK, people typically report an overwhelming fear, feel feeling of fear, anxiety, or intense adrenaline. Now, this is basically your body sensing that there is a darker vibration near you and it's immediately going into fight or flight. Which is so interesting to me that your body picks up on lower frequencies before you do. So, to me, that adrenaline rush is when I'm running up the stairs from my basement when the lights are off. You know that sprint when every single hair on the back of your neck is standing up? That's I, that adrenaline. I get that when I'm like just like closing the door to like a dark room. Oh, me too. I or I'm whenever like, I'm like <laughs> turning up the lights at night or blowing out the candles at night. I'm like running back to the bedroom. Logan's like, what? What? I'm like, I just got scared. It's okay. <laughs> PK. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So um black-eyed children typically can only say a few sentences. So if you try to have a conversation about why they want to come in, so on, they will typically begin repeating themselves or become extremely agitated and angry with you. They will not make eye contact or they will have something shielding their eyes from you. So like a hoodie or looking down or bangs. Um, But that is until they, you turn them away officially or invite them in. So once they feel like they're at the end with you is when they will reveal their eyes. And it's in, I mean, it's like a kid, you know, like coming up to your doorstep. You're not going to be like, no, honey, you can't come in and call. You know, if a little kid showed up on my doorstep, I'd be like, okay, well, yeah, let's call your mom. Or like, where do you live? Can I take you there? You know? So it's basically just playing on our human urge to like help children. So, um... As I said, once you turn them away or invite them in is when they will reveal their eyes to you. If you were to make eye contact with them or invite them in, people report having an overwhelming sense of fear and dread that take over them. Now, let's say that you invite them in, okay? Why do they have to be invited in? Are they like vampires? So that's a thing too. That was like the cryptid side of it is to be, that makes them think that they're a descendants of vampires. Okay. So, but typically like when there's a demonic presence, it typically goes after whoever will invite it in the easiest. So children, you know, that's where you see in the like movies, but to get an adult to, or like someone that's aware and has ownership over their, you know, their heart and their aura, Mm -hmm. it's getting that verbal confirmation from you. And so now you've accepted a demonic spirit into your life. I don't like this story. No, it's crazy. So let's say you invite them and what happens? People have reported that when they look into the mirror in the hours following letting these children in, their reflection does not look like themselves any longer. Sometimes they will look extremely sad or even, like, smiling at themselves when oh, they're not smiling. my goodness. <laughs> However. Lord, help us. I literally said, hold on, let me do something demonic today. <laughs> she said, I had a really hard week, so I didn't want to do any murder. So let's talk like this. Let me haunt everybody that listens to Creeps and Crimes podcast, okay? 
Um, however, almost every and all encounters in which a person has invited them in, they have horrible occurrences that fall that follow in the coming weeks, months. Um, that happens to their inside their homes, to their families, to themselves, or to their friends. Gee, are you shitting me? Why is someone running past the freaking window at ten o'clock at night? <laughs> we both almost just fell out of our chair, y'all. Um, Close the blinds. <laughs> Close the blinds. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But almost always, after an encounter of letting a blackout child into your home. There are extreme health issues that show up out of nowhere in people's lives. So like cancer or like terminal illnesses, like Mm -hmm. crazy that just like, like this person I was listening to on a, on another podcast. It was like, I have, I literally went in for a checkup, not even two weeks before this and everything came back normal. And then all of a sudden I was so sick. And then I found out I had cancer, him and his wife had cancer. He had prostate cancer and she had breast cancer. What the fuck? Crazy. So I'm super excited um, to be telling you guys about Black Eyed Children today because these stories blow my effing mind over and over and over again. Um, So as I said before, all of these stories that I found for for y'all came from Reddit. So I'm going to be telling you what thread that they are on and who posted them. Um, because I obviously didn't have enough time to get exact permission, but here we are. If you, if I need to take it down, I'll take it down, whatever. Um, (laughs) come at us, bro. Right. Please come at me. Um, so the first story is titled black eyed kid on ghost stories thread. And it was posted by swamp underscore puppy. And this was posted two months ago. This is not my story, but a story of a friend's great grandfather. This story takes place during the late summer of the 1960s in Iowa in a very small farming community. My friend's great-grandfather, Bob, owned a farm out there. He had acres of corn, wheat, potatoes, etc., but corn was his main crop, so he had a huge cornfield. It was around 2 a.m., and his grandfather couldn't sleep, so he went outside to get some fresh air. When outside, he noticed something that looked like a child wandering around in the cornfield. So Bob ran back inside, grabbed his double-barrel shotgun, and woke up the farmhand for backup. They combed through the entire cornfield in an attempt to find whatever it was running around out there. After a while, they still couldn't find anything. So Bob told the farmhand to go back inside the house while he stayed on the porch to watch his cornfield. Then... He looked at the gravel road between his yard and the fence line that led to the cornfield and standing on the road was a little girl around six or six years or so years old. I hate this. (laughs) And she was wearing a white dress that made her look like she had just gotten out of church. Bob thought in his mind that his like his mind must have been playing tricks on him. So he tried to lay down on the couch and get some rest but also still say, like, somewhat aware. However, not even a minute after he laid down, he heard a knock on the screen door. He walked up to the door and slightly cracked the main door, and he sees a little girl. He asked, may I help you? The little girl said, mister, I am lost, and I don't know where my parents are. Can I come in the house and use your telephone? 
Bob felt uneasy and told her that he could get her a glass of water and he could call her parents for her if she gave him their number, but he didn't feel comfortable letting her inside. He felt somewhat off about the little girl. However, the little girl insisted to be the one that called her parents. And Bob said, young lady, it's two in the morning and I don't feel comfortable letting a stranger into my home, little girl or not. The little girl started to get agitated and said, I'm not leaving until you let me in and use your phone. Startled, Bob told the little girl that he was going to call the police to come get her so they can keep her safe and find her parents. He closed the door to go call the police and he heard somebody punch the door like a grown man. He walked back and cracked the door open again, but when he looked, he realized that it was the little girl that punched the door. But when he looked at her this time, she didn't have any eyes. Instead, she had pitch black orbs instead of eyes. And she said in a deep voice, let me in. So Bob grabbed his shotgun and pointed it at the little girl and told her no and to go away. After this, the little girl looked right into the barrel of the gun and then back up at Bob, smiled smugly and giggled, and then she ran back into the cornfield and disappeared. What the fuck? So should we light some sage? Yeah, I think we should light some sage. Okay. Um. So are these like, like, ghosts? Or are these like actual like kids that are being possessed like in the middle of the night that are leaving their homes? Like, or no, no, no they're no. like these are like. I don't want to say apparitions because they're beings. Mm-hmm. But when I tell, so I have found this last story. So I have a few stories and then I have a bonus story and it's mainly for you. Great. But it brings Love in that. another conspiracy of what black eyed children could be. Aliens. Yeah. I knew it. I know you knew it. As soon as I said it was for you. <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> So my next story um, was titled In My Driveway on the Black Eyed Kids stories thread posted by Penguin Shark 50. Love that name. (laughs) And it was posted four months ago. A few weeks ago, I'd say around August 2nd, I was sitting in my car in my driveway listening to music. It was around midnight and I live kind of in the middle of nowhere. I was also very high. While I was sitting in my car with my eyes closed, I started to get this feeling that I was being watched. I look to my right and see a figure standing, staring through my car window. It then darts away and then comes back to my window extraordinarily fast. It looked to be about 5'4 and Caucasian. The figure was wearing a hood. I got a really minuscule glimpse of its eyes, but I'm 75% sure that they were completely black eyes. I know driving under the influence is really bad, and I would have never done it if I would have thought there was another option. But what else was I going to do? Without hesitation, I threw my car into reverse and stepped on the gas. I heard bumping and banging against the right side of my car, and I could have sworn I felt something underneath my tires like I was running over a body. 
I am 100% sure at this point in time that I ran over somebody in my driveway. I went to my friend's house, which was about two minutes away from mine. I waited an hour in their driveway before driving back to my house. There was nobody there, nothing on the ground, no sign of anything that had just happened to me. Anytime I told my friends, they all think I'm overreacting or hallucinating or something, but I know what happened that night. The feeling, the sound, the banging on the car windows, the doors, and especially the bumps underneath my tires. I remember this all too well for it to be fake. Edit. I no longer sit in my driveway at all, even during the day, and even now I'm terrified to be out there at night. Edit part two. I'm reading further into this this subreddit, and I'm seeing a lot of people talking about how people develop medical conditions after their encounters with BEKs. After this, within a span of about three weeks, I lost 10 pounds and my diet had not changed. Nothing was wrong with me. Then I started showing symptoms of an autoimmune disorder slash nutritional deficiencies or hyperthyroidism. It's been about a week into September and my body is slowly going back to normal. Huh. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so don't smoke weed in your driveway, and um, also, though, I guess plus side, you lose weight if that's what you want. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's a a tiny upside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as someone who has an autoimmune d- disease, I don't 10 out of 10 do not recommend, all right? Holy shit. All right, so this is another story, and it is Black Eyed Kids in Virginia Beach, Virginia, on the Black Eyed Kids Stories thread by Kitchen Armadillo. This was posted six months ago. It's 1130 at night in the middle of June, and I'm in my house alone with my dog. I was reading a Reddit post about BEKs and was pretty shook already. I had heard rumors that if you know about them, they will come and visit you. Uh. It's okay. Calm down. I was sitting on my living room couch when I hear two knocks at my front door. My dog immediately hopped up on the couch beside me and started trembling. I got startled and hesitantly walked towards the door. My door has two slim windows on either side of it, so I looked out through the right window and saw two kids. One looked really small, like he was five, and the other kid looked like it had to be at least nine. They were both wearing winter clothes. Keep in mind, it's the middle of June. I tried to look at their faces, but my porch light wasn't working for some reason. They were just staring at the door. I was staring at them for at least 20 seconds when they both looked at me through the window on the door. I ran back to my couch and tried to be as quiet as possible. I didn't make any noises. I hear two knocks again. Sir. Let us in. Me and my brother are very hungry and tired. I just about screamed because I had no idea how they knew I was a man. I waited for 10 seconds and then I hear, let us in. We have to call our mom. I waited about another minute and I hear a pounding on my window. And one of the kids said, kids says, let us in in a demanding manner. It's been at least two minutes, and I think they're gone, and then all of a sudden, I hear my backyard gate sling open. 
I then hear pounding on my back sliding door. I run up the stairs, lock myself up in my bedroom with my dog. They kept pounding for at least an hour and a half. The pounding finally stopped, so I put in my headphones and tried to sleep, just in case they came back. I never saw them again. Oh my god. Fuck that. I hate this. Why are you doing this? I hate it here. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. Okay, so that is my last um, super scary story. But uh, here is the bonus creepy shit that I found just for Morgan. Yay, love that. (laughs) It says, little girl with huge eyes, and that was what it's titled, and I found it on Black Eyed Kids Stories Thread by Sick Girl with two eyes, um, and this was posted one year ago. I used to have a job as a cashier in a bakery. When someone came in through the door, a bell would ring and go off. One day, I was in the back kitchen, and I heard the bell. So I made my way up to the front. As soon as I turned the corner to greet whoever just walked in, I immediately made direct eye contact with a little girl who was about to go into the restroom. Within a split second that I saw her, I stopped dead in my tracks and gasped. The little girl had the hugest eyes I had ever seen. Honestly, it scared me. I can't exaggerate enough just how big this little girl's eyes were. I could not see the whites of her eyes. It's not just that they were black or demonic looking. It's that they were so large. They didn't look like human eyes. Like I said, this all happened in a split second. The moment I turned the corner to see her in her unnaturally large eyes, she was pulled into the restroom. Working in customer service, you see a lot of weird shit. So right after this happened, I kind of just froze and thought, hmm, well, that was weird. You know, maybe my eyes were just playing tricks on me. I figured I'd just get a better look when she came out of the bathroom, right? Well, when she came out, she had sunglasses on the type that were reflective so you couldn't see through the little girl was accompanied by who i assume was her mother and her grandmother nothing out of the ordinary happened i took their orders like an, like normal but couldn't help but stare at this little girl i needed answers so being the nosy person i am i said i like your sunglasses hoping she would take them off or something she said thanks in a cutesy little voice She turned to her mother and whispers, Can I take them off and show her my eyes? At this point, I was doing everything in my power not to lose my shit. The woman looked down at her and in a firm, serious tone said no. I just rang them up and pretended like I didn't hear that at all. After they left the store, I was Googling large-eyed children and couldn't find a single image close to what I had just saw. It was one of the strangest encounters I have ever had. What the fuck? So then everybody on the comments was like, alien, 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 alien. It was an alien hybrid. Oh, my God. It was an alien-human hybrid. So that is the story of black-eyed children. Say a little prayer, send a positive thought, and light some sage. Um, You good? Loved it. Hated it. Loved it? (laughs) Hated it. Honestly, though, like you, you did it way better than I ever would have. So I'm glad you covered that. Cause <laughs> well, I, you're actually going to have to go into detail about them one day. Yeah. No, I'm not. In their history. But 
Not me. <laughs> Wrong, Couldn't be bitch. me. <laughs> Couldn't be me. The thing that I hate every morning is doing my mascara. I can live without foundation and lipstick. Thank you, mask, for that. But when I don't have anything on my lashes, I swear to you, I look dead. The thing that makes my morning smoother and my routine faster is having my lash extensions done. Getting them done is no burden, as it's the true beauty sleep that when you wake up from your nap, you feel like a million bucks and hotter than Kim K herself. That's my girl. Lash extensions are new to Knoxville, but not new to the beauty world. Asia K Salon has been in business over eight plus years with nine plus advanced lash courses, allowing them to give you the ultimate best lash experience possible. And let me tell you, their lash beds are comfortable. If you mention our names and that you heard us talk about this on the podcast when you make your next appointment, you will get 44% off. You can find them on Facebook or on Instagram at Asia K Salon and their website, asiaksalon.com. Happy lashing. Y'all hear that? <laughs> that sounded like two grown bitches with an ad, huh? That sounded like our first ad. <laughs> We're famous. I told y'all we were famous. Yeah. So thanks so much, uh, Brie at Asia K Salon for letting us do that. It's pretty freaking awesome. Are you ready for me? <laughs> I'm Morgan. What do you have for us today? I am going to be covering the smiley face killers. Don't don't do killers plural. <laughs> Multiple of them. Multiple. Um, Taylor probably would have done a better job of this no. than me. Yeah, probably. Um, but you guys will see. Let's just get into it. Come on, dip, dive into so it. So my sources are um, FordhamObserver.com, our glorious Reddit.com, OxygenCrimeNews.com, KDKA.com, and the Smiley Face Killers, the Hunt for Justice series. It's a television series, and you can find it on Oxygen. So, um, first I am going to talk about the case of Patrick McNeil. On February 16th, 1997, 21-year-old male Patrick McNeil, like any other college student, decided it was time to hit the bars. As a junior at Fordham College at Rose Hill in New York City, McNeil was known as a ladies' man, And he was often teased by his friends for his clothes and his cologne and how he always had to be perfect. Patrick McNeil made his way to the Dapper Dog Bar, which is located in Manhattan's Upper East Side. After many drinks with friends, resulting in vomiting in the bar bathroom, it was very very early in the morning and Patrick decided that, you know what, it's time to head home. Right. He told his friends he was leaving and would take the subway back up to Fordham. A friend was supposed to be returning back with him, and Patrick waited outside the bar for her, but as time went on, he decided to head back by himself, assuming that she had wanted to stay longer. I don't know why she wouldn't walk out there and tell him, but... Right. Anyway. And why are you just leaving your girlfriend behind? Well, I think it was a group, a, a group of friends. Okay. Witnesses watched Patrick stumble up 2nd Avenue. He stopped, and he turned right up East 90th Street. And after that, Patrick was never seen again. Dear God. NYPD started immediately investigating the missing person's case. Missing poster signs with Patrick's picture and name were hung around the area. And it wasn't until one month later that Patrick's body was found floating next to a Brooklyn pier in the East River. 
The NYPD concluded that Patrick drunkenly stumbled his way over to the East River and drowned after falling in. His blood alcohol level was a 0.16. But here's where it doesn't make sense. During the investigation, it was noted that witnesses saw a white van parked outside the bar. And while Patrick walked up 2nd Avenue, the van followed behind him. Oh, no. And as Patrick turned onto East 90th Street, the van did as well. The autopsy report classified the death as undetermined, and a drowning is extremely easy to determine as the body bloats and the lungs are filled with water and right. fluid and the, the whole body is filled with fluid. And after looking further into the facts, a retired New York Police Department detective named Kevin Gannon, who we will see um, in the next few cases I read, thank you, Detective Gannon, for your hard work, um, he did not believe the NYPD assessment. And Patrick's parents also didn't believe it. Hell yeah. Detective Gannon pointed out, in order for Patrick to have ended up in the East River from his last seen location on 90th Street, he would have had to cross the infamous FDR Drive. FDR Drive is an expressway that holds high fencing on both sides, and it is also one of the busiest highways in Manhattan, even in the early hours of the morning. New York City is a city that never sleeps. Yeah, it never sleeps. So for one to stumble over the fence and across the extremely busy highway, that drunk, and without getting hit by a car or seen, stum- like if someone's stumbling across the highway, someone's going to report that. Yeah, someone's going to see that. It's, it's just very unlikely. Right. Detective Gannon also recognized that the closed autopsy report suggested that he was tied up and burned prior to being placed in the river. The autopsy also reported fly larvae on Patrick's body. But the night Patrick went missing, it was 23 degrees, which is way too cold for flies to be laying to let be laying right. eggs. Coming to the assumption that Patrick did not drown that night, right? That his body had to have been elsewhere in the time of his disappearance. Detective Gannon concluded that he was stalked, abducted, and held for an extended period of time, and then murdered and disposed of. A year later. Larry Andrews, who was another college student in New York City, was discovered floating in the exact same location as Patrick. The difference between the two was that Larry Andrews was last spotted in Times Square on New Year's Eve, not the Upper East Side, but both bodies were found next to a graffitied smiley face, which started the theory, the smiley face killers. I just got chills all over me. You're doing a great job. Well, thank you. I'm loving this. Um... Currently, Detective Gannon and his team, Anthony Duarte and Michael Anthony D. <laughs> Anthony D. and Michael Donovan, who are both former NYPD detectives, now travel from city to city to investigate each case and victim from the alleged smiley face killers. So I could literally probably do like like one crime report per episode like one right. case per episode but i'm gonna that's why i kind of tried to wrap that one up i'm gonna do the same with the next three um and then i want to talk about like the theories of what the smiley face killer is okay so next we have lucas homan in the fall of 2006 21 year old lucas homan disappeared from an Oktoberfest in lacrosse wisconsin after attending with a group of friends lucas was a college student and a star basketball player for the University of Milwaukee. Oh! Three days after his disappearance, 
Lucas was found dead in the Mississippi River in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Oh, no. Lucas was found with wounds on his head, his arms, and his hands as if he had been in a fight. Oh, no. They concluded that with travel abrasions that his body endured while moving through the water and his death, too, was ruled accidental drowning. Detective Gannon got word of the case and met with the former FBI dive team leader and underwater forensic expert Bobby Chacon, Bobby C., to re-examine the autopsy report. The ruling accidental drowning would have had Lucas's body in the water for over 50 hours, but after further investigation, they, they estimated that his body could only have been in the water for 3 to 12 hours. Oh. So where was Lucas for two days? He was. Did he any, have any larvae on him? No larvae. Larvae. Larvae, sorry. <laughs> no larvae. Next, this is another um, case, and the next two will actually be in Pennsylvania. This is the case of Tommy Booth on January 19th, 2008, 24-year-old male Tommy Booth went to Bootleggers Nightclub in Woodland, Pennsylvania. Where's Woodland, Pennsylvania? Um, more central, but towards Philly. Mm-hmm. Security cameras placed him there, yet nobody saw him leave. Two weeks after his disappearance, he was found face down in a creek, only 200 yards downstream from the bar. Wait, so nobody, he was not seen leaving? He was not seen leaving. Okay. Initially, I'll tell you about some Reddit threads after right. I, Ugh. That I... You I see why about. I'm a Reddit whore. Yeah. <laughs> Initially, searches put on by the Greater Philadelphia Search and Rescue Team and his family turned up empty-handed because the creek had been frozen over. Okay. After he went missing. So they did send out search teams, but they couldn't find him because he was frozen under the ice. <gasps> Once the ice melted two weeks later, his body was spotted and recovered. Tommy Booth was still in possession of his wallet, cell phone, and medication for his epilepsy, which I'm also curious as to why he'd be at a nightclub with epilepsy. I was going to say, why the hell he got it? But why does he get his medicine in his pocket at a nightclub? I don't know. Is well, it, probably because he's epilepsy. So when you have ep- epilepsy, do you have to immediately take the medication if you start having like an episode? I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. Okay, sorry. Well, if you can answer that question for us, just... Just Just let us know. Um, The medical examiner noticed suspicious footprints and drag marks above his head and torso. But based on the evidence that they just threw aside, Tommy's death was ruled as a probable drowning. The case was closed until Detective Scott Willoughby, who was working Tommy's case, came to a realization after watching an investigation of the smiley face killer theory on Good Morning America. I love Good Morning. Only because of a hunch, Willoughby ordered detectives to take another look behind bootleggers. They reported back that they saw nothing out of the ordinary except a smiley face graffitied on the wall of the bar underneath the back party deck, (gasps) roughly 30 feet from the creek. As graffiti like that was out of the ordinary for the township, Willoughby forwarded this information to Detective Gannon from NYPD. Detective Gannon is, like, the boss. Yeah. Detective Gannon, hey, you're a celebrity in our eyes. Yeah. Well, he is. He has his own show about this. Oh, okay. 
After another investigation, the evidence didn't add up to a drowning. Detective Gannon met up with a crime scene reconstruction specialist, Scott Roeder. Roeder was able to build a CGI model of Tommy's death using information from the creek and the autopsy report. He concluded that for Tommy to have been in the water after, drown- after drowning, the body would have a much different appearance. There would have been excessive bloating, which wasn't there with Tommy. So Tommy was gone for two weeks. Okay. And he had no evidence of being in the water for 14 days. But the police are ruling it as an accidental drowning. So back to what I was saying about the, um, oh my God, you the- said, what did you ask me? Um, nobody saw him leave. Yeah, nobody saw him so leave. So I was going on Reddit. I was like, how did nobody see him leave? They had right. security cameras in there. And so the smiley face killers, they often, or they are suspected of drugging people. And they think that, that Tommy was drugged and kept into the basement until everybody was gone. Like until the club was closed. And then it could have been his friends and they like drug him out and killed him. But wait, what is this proximity of these other cases in this case? It's all in the Midwest. Okay. So the first two that I read, they were in New York City, Manhattan. Uh-huh. And the next one was in Wisconsin. And then the next two are in Pennsylvania. But they're all over Ohio, um, Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, New York City, Delaware, Philly, Philly okay. New York kind okay. of area. Um. So... The next case is Dakota James, and I, you originally wanted me to do this one because of the interaction that it has with Pittsburgh. Okay. And I vividly remember Dakota James' story because I had friends that went to the same university as him, and like we would all be like, yo, like you're not going out. Like Nobody's going out. Like There's literally a serial killer on the loose, and nobody... like. It was all covered up. Right. So let me let me tell you the story of Dakota James, and then I would... Go into your personal experiences with yeah. it. On January 25th, 2017, 23-year-old Dakota James, a student at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, went out with friends. While walking back home, the last time Dakota was seen alive was entering an alleyway while looking down at his phone. His family, from Frederick, Maryland temporarily moved to Pittsburgh to run their own searches. They set out a $10,000 reward for the finding of their son. And on the fifth day of his disappearance, the police had accepted the family's missing persons report. Five whole days Dakota was missing. The family was able to come from Frederick, Maryland to Pittsburgh. And the police were still just like, we're not doing anything for you. Nice one, Allegheny County. During the first few days of searching, their parents learned Um, from one of their son's friends that something like this had happened to him just six weeks before his disappearance. His mother is quoted on KDKA, which is our news channel, saying he was possibly drugged and someone tried to abduct him six weeks ago. Oh. It wasn't until 40 days later that Dakota's body was found floating in the Ohio River, (gasps) 10 miles from where he was last seen on surveillance footage. And of course a graffitied smiley face of where Dakota's body was found. Police concluded that Dakota had fallen into the river while crossing a bridge and his death was ruled, you guessed it, an accidental drowning. The Allegheny County Medical Examiner ruled Dakota's death an accidental drowning, but 
Dakota James was an athlete, a swimmer to be specific, and the swim team captain to be exact, making his parents fight the ruling of his death. Allegheny County District Attorney closed the case saying, well, at that time of the year, if he had fallen into the river, it would have only taken a couple of minutes before he would have went into shock. But Dakota's mother, Pam, believes that her son was picked up from when he came out of the alley. There's surveillance cameras all over the city. And they showed Dakota entering the alley, and there's nothing else of him. Oh. Um, Detective Gannon got word of the case and started communicating with the family. At his request, a forensic pathologist reviewed the autopsy report and stated that there was very little decomposition internally and externally, especially for a body that was allegedly in the river for the last seven weeks. The body was in pristine condition. From where the original reporting that Dakota James fell into the water and where his body was found, he would have had to travel 10 miles down the river, go through the Emsworth Dam. But yet, his body was in perfect condition. It wasn't bloated. It wasn't beat up. It just didn't make sense. Oh, my God. The family requested for the DA to give them the autopsy report, and he declined. Once Detective Gannon got involved, the family requested again, and he agreed in an off-camera meeting. In the autopsy, the family noticed one picture in particular, and it was a picture of the back of their son's neck. He had a ligature mark on it. However, this was not mentioned in the original report. There was also blood gathered on, like, I, I don't want to say blood, like not visible blood, but like you could see a blood was like drawn to the, his fingertips. Right. Like it had puddled there. Uh-huh. Yes, puddled. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> and they suspected and concluded that that could have been from trying to pull whatever was on his neck off. The family brought this evidence back to the DA in which he changed the case to a homicide, but not a criminal homicide. So the case today is still open. But there will be no active investigation unless the new evidence is found. So, I, I this was plastered everywhere right. for me, all over my social media. Everybody was sharing it. Like I vividly remember, I could, I can picture like with if someone said the name Dakota James, I know his pictures and I know the three main pictures. Right. And his mother put up a damn fight for him. Yeah. And the district attorney, he didn't do shit for this kid. And a lot of people, like, they they had came to the theory that Dakota was walking down Clemente Bridge. And um, there's a point in, in Pittsburgh. And um, there's, like, stairs that, like, there's, like, okay, basically a sidewalk running alongside the river. Okay. And they said that basically he was walking home from... Liberty Avenue to, I think he lived on the north side of Pittsburgh, and he walked down the stairs to pee into the river, and he fell in. But his mother even was like, my son is not an inexperienced drinker. There is no way that he would walk down there to pee and fall into the river. And even if he did fall into the river, he is an 
expert swimmer. Right. He would have been able to get out. I get that your body goes in shock after two minutes, but he would have been able to get out of that water. In two minutes. In two minutes. And also, what guy do you know tries to hide when they're peeing outside? Exactly. I don't know a damn Especially when they're drunk. Especially when they're drunk. I don't know a damn one. So, those are the four cases that I wanted to talk about. And now I want to talk about the theory of what the smiley face killer is or who they are or what is their group. And there is a ton of them. Yeah. And I'll tell you my theory. Okay. At the very end. Um, Detective Gannon's theory um, is that this is a Midwest interstate gang of serial killers that abduct and murder college-age men before dumping their remains into local waterways and painting the smiley face graffiti near the body recovery sites. It is often that they drug their victims, hold on to them for a certain amount of time, and then dispose of them in the water. The serial killers reportedly form a highly sophisticated interstate network that uses the dark web for communication, and their supposed kill zone stretches from the East Coast cities to Midwest college towns. So, Back to Dakota James, how his roommate or friend was like, he, this happened to, he almost got abducted six weeks ago. Like he was drugged. I think that was like a failed attempt. Yeah. And I think. But why was it targeted at him? Um, was I, he like super I good looking or something? Would he like stand I out didn't the crowd? see this theory anywhere. And I, I just remember it. Yeah. On like Twitter or whatever. But a lot of people said that, um. A lot of the victims of the smiley face killer theory are found on Grinder or Grinder. Okay. Um, so I don't know if it's like their motive is that they are, I don't know, maybe they're homophobic or, but like every, every victim is not well openly. Openly gay. Yeah. But what's crazy is that's the only theory, not the only theory. I, I know about three theories from listening to these cases that because i've only listened to the smiley face killer to the one time that you told me the first time because whenever me and morgan like first became friends and i was like no i love podcasts i love it was the first podcast i ever listened to in my life yeah and you you told me like you have to go listen to this so i went and i listened to whatever podcast that was i don't remember three rivers mystery yep three rivers mystery and then i listened to when and that's why we drink covered it and when christine covered it on there and I remember her saying that it was like one thing that everybody had in common is that people knew these popular, good looking men that were outwardly homophobic. However, they were actually gay and it was like a, a way to like get back at them for not being openly gay, for not being openly and being homophobic. I, 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 don't know if that was her exact words on it because I read yeah. about all about it, but I remember it was like targeting certain popular guys that in college that were like hiding things. Yeah. But then like that, what's so crazy about it is the widespread, you know? Yeah. Which makes me think that either it has to be a group and guys, we're not sitting here like being like these people were gay. We knew it for sure. Yeah. No, we no. have no idea. We don't mean to like, you know, I don't want their families being mad at us, but like if they're gay, the, you know, that's that's their thing, you know, whatever, right. you know. Right. But um okay, what other theories are there? Um this one's just like a little short one and that is that it is a satanic cult and this also goes with the homophobic, but they are 
very godly and they use these men and they kill them off and then they use them as sacrifices, which would prove the repeating type of victim and the repeating type of murder and disposal. I mean, you see the same thing in every single case. It is all middle-aged or not (laughs) middle-aged, young adult men in college. A lot of them are athletes. A lot of them are good looking and they're all found in water. And with a smiley face. What is the significance of a smiley face with this occult, though? I don't know, but have you ever seen a picture of it? I've seen um, a picture of the one of the first case that you told. It looks like... Um, the Walmart bag? No, it looks like Nirvana. Oh, yeah, so the Walmart. The old Walmart bag. Do you remember the old Walmart bag? Does Nirvana have... Is that, am I saying that right? Nirvana, it, yeah. It has does it have the, the X's? The X's as the eyes. But when, I, when I'm like associating it as the old blue Walmart bags that... Um, People that had the, I kind of remember it. It's yeah, like it's, on the it's back a long, of my mind. And it just had regular eyes, but yeah, you're right. Nirvana's the perfect example of it. Yeah. Um, the second one is the female theory. And this theory is that this is a doing of a group of attractive females, as each men are found with n- no to little sign of struggle. So people are believing that these women are very attractive and they are, in fact, the smiley face killers and their motive is a revenge of some sort, whether they are recruited online or they all have experienced something traumatic for men as such as rape or sexual or physical abuse, etc. And they're like just out for revenge and they all are like this big giant chain of support groups, but instead they... Go um, kill people. Go <laughs> kill people. Um, the next one is just, this is just, I just wanted to include this, and it's the fetish theory, and this theorizes that it's a group of people who have, like, a very large fetish for underwater drowning, like a sexual fetish. So, could be male or women. I don't know. Next one is interesting, and that is the ex-military theory. And this is... The theory that some believe this is a group of ex-military men that are taking revenge against men of the same age who went to college instead of serving their country as they did, and their motive is most likely a result of PTSD from serving their Where country. Where the hell did this theory come from? Um, I, like, was, I got onto this website that basically, I don't know. Was it like military tactics that were used? Like, I wonder like what sparked this. Like mil- military murder tactics? Like what I don't the know. hell? I think, I think that there's just literally no evidence anywhere that people are just coming up with crazy theories, but they're interesting. Um, I, I don't know. Is that the is that the last theory that you? Have? No. Okay, no. good. Because I'm I got one. I'm waiting on it. I'm gonna throw it out at the end. Um, the next one is just that it's some type of gang, and they use this violence as initiation purpose. Okay. And the last one, which is what I believe in. Is the cop theory. That, that is exactly what I had in my back pocket. I was like, this, this has got to be a cop. One, I think that this is a group of Midwest cops, detectives, etc. that are able to cover these up. The killings only happen in which a member of the group, like a member of the Smiley Face Killer group has jurisdiction. So I think that's where their locations are. I think yeah. that they have jurisdiction there and they're the inside there. They have some type of inside input in order to rule each death an accidental drowning. How are there's no proof? All of these bodies, they'll be in the water for in the water quotations, right. allegedly, for 40 days at a time, but have no 
evidence and, of being in the water for more than three hours. And so, who are you not going to struggle with? You're not going to struggle with cops. Exactly. That are just being like, hey, like, come get in the car. Let us take you home. You're drunk. And then they murder you. Yeah. I think it's a cop. I, I don't necessarily think it's a cop. I think it's like. A string of police. And I don't know their motives. Maybe just like getting off on the fact that they're duping everybody around them. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. But, like, it has to be a string. Like, they have to be correlating, I guess, like um, Detective Gannon said, on the dark web. And they're, yeah. like, you know, they're all scattered all over. Or it was some type of, like, fucked up group that all went to the police academy and then they spread themselves out in the Midwest region. Right. With the intention, like, prior to the police academy that, like, we're going to do this. We are going to... Do murder we're a bunch going of to murder we're gonna a bunch become of cops and then we're gonna spread out and we're gonna murder a bunch of boys yeah that is crazy but then i i never i haven't heard the cop theory i just started thinking about it after we were you were telling all these stories no i didn't see i didn't see the cop theory anywhere Me either. it was the only one in my head that's why i right yeah, we're yeah. on the same page always yeah. bitch um but when you were, like, talking about the first case specifically and how he w- walked down whatever, 9th Street or whatever, where all, is all this CCTV footage? Right. If there's CC, there's cameras Manhattan. Everywhere. Manhattan. There are cameras everywhere. Every parking meter. And witnesses. Every ATM, ATM. There's ATMs in, like, every mile there. And witnesses came forward and said, no, this white van followed him. And they're like, oh, dismiss it. He drowned. He jumped over the interstate and passed the, went through the FDR expressway and nobody saw him or hit him and then he fell in the river. I w- but then going back to the grinder theory, I wonder if they even like were able to check a lot of these people's phones to be able to find out if that like if they were supposed to be meeting up with someone. Like this these investigations were so botched. Well, bringing you back to the cop theory. Like Dakota James, he was last seen walking in an alleyway looking down on his phone as if he was going to meet someone. Right. Oh my god. I don't know. I think it's he I think it's that. something on the inside job, but currently um there is over 100 oh way over 100 college age males that have died. As a result of accidental drownings across the Midwest, you can listen to, Taylor and I are mentioned it already, the Three Rivers Mystery Podcast to learn more about the disappearance of Dakota James in particular, or you can also watch the Smiley Face Killers, The Hunt for Justice on Oxygen Network, and you will be able to see the amazing Detective Gannon and his team solve the mystery of these college-age boys, and hopefully they freaking... I don't know. I mean, I can't get over Detective Gannon. No. Because every every single one of these families are reaching for justice. Right. And no one's giving it to them. And then this retired NYPD detective is like, it's let me come in here. Let me do yeah. this. Let me, let me give justice to your son. That's crazy. That is crazy. I don't know. You it's did such up. a great job. Thanks. I think that they're gonna kick me off the podcast and them being our fans. <laughs> no, you you run true crime. I think I'm gonna get kicked off. I'm like really insecure about myself right now. <laughs> Guys, I swear to God, I'll do better. <laughs> <laughs> no, you- your research was crazy. That was like some M and Christine shit that you just pulled out of your ass. I literally yeah, I've never seen me. that happen before. Damn. Okay, guys. Um, really deep episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dark episode. But wow, that was really fun that we got to switch it up. 
Yeah, maybe maybe we'll do a little switcheroo. You have something up your sleeve for a conspiracy theory. Yeah, I have a killer conspiracy. So, and I have a inside scoop family true crime. Yeah, that, that you're gonna I'm have to gonna pull have out to cover. But I gotta read a book first, and I just haven't finished. And yet. so we will never get that episode released. So I'll try to do that by next month. <laughs> oh God. Um. Anyways, you wanna wrap us up? Yeah. Um. Thanks for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram at Creeps and Crimes Podcast. Follow me personally at morg.m, double the G. Double the G. And you can follow me at Taylor J with an A. And you guys can also hit us up on Twitter um, at Creeps underscore Crimes. And don't forget to send in your creepy accounts because we'd love to do one this month. So please send in your creepy accounts to Creeps and Crimes Podcast at gmail.com. And also, thanks so much again to Asia K Salon for being our first little sponsor yes, ad and thing. Also, don't answer the door. Oh, yeah. Do not answer the door. Okay? Anytime soon. And also, if you are a young age male in the Midwest, <laughs> yep. um, my friends at home in downtown Pittsburgh, there's a serial killer on the loose. Yeah, so, so be safe. Yeah. Yeah, be safe. Uh, love y'all. Um, thanks for listening and see y'all next Thursday. See you next oh, week. Don't forget to tune into the exchange and hear us tomorrow. Hear me be drunk. Tomorrow, Woo! tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. All right, bye y'all.